Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. And we're wondering. Do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? And can you feel it coming in the air tonight, oh lord? <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I was like, I have to think of one. That's good. You're coming in strong in these last few episodes. Yes, which is wild. This is the third last episode of this show of Radio Free Roscoe and a podcast for Roscoe. What a crazy journey it has been. Um, a quick thank you. This this will be coming out a few weeks after it's relevant. But thank you to everyone who uh, shared your Spotify wrapped stories with us. It was really cool to see our podcast on your Spotify wrapped list. So if you were one of those people, uh, thank you very much. Very, very cool to see. We were discussing um, the bad Christmas movie times as it is uh, time of the season for that. And it has been a joy to see some RFR stars popping up in some Christmas movies. Uh, Sammy and I talked about having an Ashley Newbro uh, film fest of Christmas movies and a like Janelle uh, Christmas movie marathon. But it's like even unintentionally, I've just like stumbled into these RFR Christmas movies. I was watching one last night that was starring Paula Brancati, aka Ronnie from this show, Ray's Crazy Girlfriend. Um, and saw a Janelle Williams one uh, about a week ago. Uh, Netflix Christmas Catch, I think it was called. I don't know. Something about a dual heist. But it's it's been great to see our RFR stars popping up in the Christmas films. Yeah, I, I ended up watching the, uh, the Charlotte Sullivan one. Charlotte Sullivan was Judy Douglas back in season one. And um, the one she's in is The Twelve Pups of Christmas. And it is... It is bad. It is, and it is confusing. But you know what? I recommend it just because it's it's really weird. And if you're Canadian, you can watch it on CBC Gem. CBC Gem, baby. All your quality Canadian content, and also some shady Christmas movies. Like, what I'm more could you want? That, but I'm like, all right, I love it. It's all you need. So this week we're looking at season two, episode twenty-four, "The Truths About Rock and Roll." First aired May 20th, 2005. It was written by Russ Cochran and directed by David Worry Smith. And the guest appearance in this episode, you you guessed it, it's the Trues. Uh, The band the Trues are in this one, and they are absolutely not ready to go. I will make a note that in the credits of this episode, Colin McDonald and John Angus McDonald are also credited separately. So you've got the the Trues, and then they both each got a guest credit in this episode. Guys, I don't know about this. Drews still haven't picked an opening band for the show, but I can't get them to take any of my calls. It's now or never. So we start off at Mickey's where the Trues are doing a, like a signing. It's Yeah, it's, it's a very chill vibe. It's not like there's like people losing their minds over the Trues, which is not, you know, a comment against the Trues. It's just this is a, a pretty, pretty chill group. It turns out No Man's Land has been trying to figure out a way to maybe score the opening act slot for the Trues because they haven't announced an opener yet. And Travis is like, yeah, none of my phone calls have been getting through. So Travis is doing his like, I guess Travis is still like doing his managery thing that he was doing before. Where he's like making the calls and stuff. And uh, they end up deciding to, uh, they, they end up slipping their demo CD into one of the the Trues guys like jacket pocket when they go to take photos with them. I'm so, like, I guess security's not that great then because they're like, oh, they're right? pretty pretty tight ship. Look at the security <laughs> and the security guys just like no gifts. That's the only bit of security we see. But they like 
physically put something in his pocket. Yeah. And it's a big old yeah. CD. It's a big old CD. You have to be wearing something with very specific pockets for someone to be able to slide a CD into them. Yeah, I feel like he, he would have noticed before they sat down, but we'll, we'll suspend our disbelief for the sake of the the teen scheme, I guess. And I also, I just love, um, you know, the very old, uh, probably what, like, three megapixel digital camera that <laughs> Travis oh, is taking yeah. photos of, of uh, on. And it's just, it's great, because we definitely had a couple of, like, digital cameras around that time that looked very similar but disappointing that it's not the cell phone you know that's true that's true maybe he he upgraded for the occasion i don't know oh love that but also i mean like we we've seen no man's land perform in this show so we know that they're pretty legit as a band but like conceptually a group of 14 year olds come up to this established <laughs> band and are like, hey, here's our CD. In actuality, it's going to sound like Kids Bob. It's, yeah. it's not going to be good. A couple of like local, local teens producing this, you know, without an actual studio. It's, it's going to be pretty bad. And I just, I, I like to think of that reality because I, like, mm -hmm. if, if we're seeing a very idealized version of what a group of 14-year-olds putting a band together would look like, I just really want to hear, like, the alternate version of this where it's the actual 14-year-olds. I feel like if you did this now, it would be, like, a bunch of kids, like, making garage band loops or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and being like, we're DJs now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sexy manager man. W-R-O-T announced the opening band for the trees yet? Once they hear your demo, I'm sure you guys will get the gig. While Parker and Travis and Robbie are chatting, uh, during which Parker calls Travis sexy manager man. It's like, guys, they, stop using the word sexy. They throw the word small. sexy so much. There's, You're too they, small for this. I, I don't call people sexy now as, as an adult no. woman. It's just no. weird. The idea gets tossed around that Robbie is going to make an audio documentary about no man's land is kind of like a cool archival thing before they get big or whatever so robbie's gonna interview parker later that night look at this one you can totally see parker putting the cd into colin's pocket Mm-hmm. pretty sneaky then in cougar radio lily's chatting with river river's not really paying attention though because he's working on what turns out to be an application for an internship at a law firm what would he do I know, I, I forget that River's, like, actually older and not a 14-year-old, but he's still, like, a 16-year-old. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's not that big a difference. I mean, like, getting an internship at a law firm is, like, something that you would do in, like, university. And yeah. even then, I, I don't think you're doing, like, really high-level work. So... <sighs> Like, I really feel like River's getting an internship to deliver coffee to lawyers. Yeah, that's that's the kind of internship he's getting. And he's like, he's really intently focused on this application to the point where he's like, kind of brushing Lily off. You know, she's mm -hmm. talking about how cool this would be. And he's like, he's just too focused on this and kind of sends her away. He's like, I'm sorry, I got to do this. But let's meet up later and you can show me the new stuff that you're working on. And Lily's like, okay, but we see her kind of like, stare at him afterwards so yeah. there's obviously some tension between these two who've just been dating for so long and have such a solid foundation four months since our first date you remembered oh not only did i remember i came up with a list of stuff to do with my special girl but meanwhile our 
our other kind of star couple, we've got uh, Grace and Ray. Turns out it's their four month anniversary. And oh, Ray's like, oh, I've got, I've got this whole list of things planned out. Yeah, I feel like four months is like a very, very high school thing where like you're very yeah. focused on like every single little increment of time. Ray's got this whole list of uh, activities that he wants the two of them to do together to celebrate. And he's like, we're going to do frisbee golf, go-karts, and all this stuff. And Grace is like, can we just do dinner at my place? He's like, that's not on the list. Um, so Ray's very much, you know, being Ray, wants to do a bunch of like, activities Mm -hmm. wants to go have a lot of fun and grace is like pretty fed up with it and he's kind of like yep whatever i give up um and you know i i think it's feeling pretty like tired of ray kind of taking all the direction or giving all the direction in the Mm -hmm. relationship and uh just just being a big goofus there was there was one really cute thing with the whole dinner at my place. She calls it plinner dinner at my place. Yeah, it's a, it's a Ray thing. It's she, a very cute couple. She did thing. a little best of both worlds, and yeah. it was very sweet. And we've said it before: Grace deserves better. She does Grace nothing deserves wrong. Better. Grace oh. deserves better. She's a nice one. One characteristic is being nice and maybe a little that's, bit. Gossipy. That's all we get. That's <laughs> all we get is that she is very well intentioned. Yes. <laughs> Come on, ladies. We make you laugh. We look good on your arm. We cannot be expected to be mind readers, too. If you want that, go visit the great Gordo at the Roscoe Fair. He will do it for five bucks and make you cluck like a chicken. So in the radio station, Ray comes in hot saying, here's what's stuck in my craw. Girls that expect you to know what they're thinking. And it's like, we look good and we make you laugh. We can't do everything. If you want a mind reader, go talk to, what was it, like Gordo the Great or something? The Great Gordo? Like some yeah, kid at like Roscoe the, the hypnotist at the, the Roscoe Fair or something. Okay, so not a kid at the school. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just Gordo from Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, crossover. <laughs> he's, he's gone into mind reading now. I could see it. It'd be, it'd be very chill. Yeah, I feel like Gordo and Travis would get along. Very, I, like, similar, chill, like, sardonic, too smart for their age short boy. <laughs> yes. No, it's true. That's, that's a very good comparison. Because I was lost my heart in danger until I kissed my perfect stranger. Babe, that was great. So the guys end up talking about love a little bit, and it kind of gets Lily thinking. Later on that night, River comes over and is listening to her um, play a new song, which is all about the perfect stranger that she fell in love with, which is, you know, (laughs) kind of... She's like, it's about you. It's like, I don't know how I'd feel about that. (laughs) I Well, I feel like it's a weird callback because, like, way before they were dating, like 10 episodes before they were dating... She was having those dreams where <gasps> she was kissing a stranger. I so I think it. it's a reference to those dreams. But does that mean she's told him about those? Because I feel like that's weird. That's I weird. I feel like, I mean, like, he'd probably like it because he's so egotistical. Yeah. But if you were like, hey, like, don't freak out. But like, before we were dating, I dreamt about making out with you so much. But I didn't <laughs> know it was you. But it was definitely you. <laughs> Remember that time when we shook hands? I had just finished dreaming about making out with you, so. <laughs> but uh, she, she, so Lily ends up playing this little game. She's like, "Hey, tell me what I'm, tell me what I'm feeling right now." And River's like, uh, "Are you hungry?" And Lily's like, "Nah, it's okay. I'm just being girly." And River's like, "Okay, I gotta go. I gotta write a five-page essay on why I deserve this internship." <laughs> yeah, and she's yeah. I mean, like, I, I. 
for what this internship has to be, <laughs> I don't know what the vetting process is. Right? <laughs> like, what makes you so capable of going um, and getting our coffee? Like, yeah. this is definitely the kind of thing that, like, he would probably get because he has connections. Yes. There's no way that there's, like, this intense an yeah. application process for a high school boy to do very basic work. But Lily's yeah. obviously upset because River kind of keeps brushing off, like, she's going through like a very big, exciting thing and he kind of keeps disappearing. And she's like, don't you want to stick around? The radio station's gonna announce who the opening band is. And like, that's kind of like a whole like plot of them waiting to find out who the opening band is the night before the show that they're gonna find out on the radio. They're not like, they're not reaching out to Travis, the band manager. They're not reaching out to any members of the band. They have to listen to the radio to find out whether or not they got the gig the night before. It's buck wild. (sighs) What if for some reason they missed the broadcast, like? Right? (laughs) There we were in a room full of toddlers, and the only song they wanted to hear was the Hokey Pokey. We played it nine times. Megan, anything to add? Parker and Megan and Robbie are all at Mickey's. We get a cute joke that kind of plays on the fact that, like, Megan never speaks, where Parker's telling this whole story about No Man's Land playing for toddlers, I guess. <laughs> and, yeah, I guess uh, somehow got into, like, a kid's birthday party as a gig, which, why? I just, I love the range of things that we've been kind of, like, they've played at a Froyo shop, they played at a retirement party, and a bowling alley, and a kid's birthday. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, I don't know. I feel like they're not that, you know, they're not a band you can just kind of plop in anywhere. They're a bunch of 14 year olds playing rock tunes. I don't know. Um, Yeah. But there's a whole bit where Parker tells a whole story and Robbie's like, Megan, do you have anything to add? And she thinks for a minute and just shakes her head. (laughs) And then Lily shows up and the group's like, hey, I thought you were hanging out with River. And she's like, nah, he had stuff to do. And so as aforementioned... (laughs) They start listening to the, they tune into the radio to find out who the opening act is going to be and if it's going to be them. And somehow it is. <laughs> and they're all freaking out because it's, 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 it's truly a wild occurrence to have happened. Um, yeah, but, you know, I mean, like, for A, the reasons that we talked about before about these being, you know, a group of children. Um, but B, if a, if a child slips his CD into my pocket two days before a show, I don't think I would listen to it. <laughs> no! <laughs> that's a very good point. I'd be like, oh, that's cute. Aww. And then I would leave it there. Yeah, like, that's kind of a fuck you to any of the established bands in Roscoe. Unless, right? unless no, unless No Man's Land like, is, like, the only one. Any band that could have been, like, touring with them or that's in the so area. True. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, we, we love them, but it's, it's you know, funny watching this with the, the cynicism of adulthood, being like, these kids <laughs> couldn't have done this. <laughs> Stupid kids. <laughs> Stupid kids. They couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. Man, I can't believe Grace didn't go for any of these. Go-karts, paintball, froth. Yeah, but Ray, these are all things you and I have done together. So? The next day at school, Ray and Travis are walking along, and Ray's confused because he's like, why doesn't Grace like all the things that I like to do? And he lists off all the things, and Travis is like, Ray, those are things that we've done together. And it's like, froth and go-karting. I'm going to cry over these two being friends. I just, I want to picture them, like, I'm trying to picture them doing all these things together, and it's very... It's very cute. It's just like... It's the universe I, I like, want. I just want Ray and Travis' friendship. I really want a scene like in Rocky Three where uh, 
Apollo Creed and Rocky are like running along the beach together and then they just stop and hug and it's just like I just want that with Ray and Travis except maybe less sweaty <laughs> on a scene in Rocky 4 where he gets knocked out by a Russian really <laughs> <laughs> the scene where Apollo fucking dies after being get, like punched to death like I want, yeah I want I that, that to happen in RFR yeah so you want River to get punched to death by this law firm <laughs> balloon ride yeah it'd be great you and me soaring high above the roscoe skyline like superman and lois lane in a basket driven by a fat guy so ray realizes he has to scrap his ideas and he uh talks to grace he's like hey i have a completely new plan let's go on a hot air balloon ride and grace is like ray i'm afraid of heights i've told you this before but you weren't listening <laughs> because apparently I guess they were at the observation deck and she was like, I'm afraid of heights. And he was like, what if we called that constellation the big diaper? <laughs> Which is such like a stupid oh, thing. It's so Ray. And uh, so Grace says, you know what? Let's just keep it simple. Let's have a nice dinner for two at Manny's. And I'm like, what's Manny's? <laughs> Manny's? <laughs> Manny's like, Excuse me? Is that like you graduate from Mickey's and go to Manny's? What if, what if it's like across the street and they've been rivals this whole time? <gasps> What if they're brothers? <gasps> oh God! Oh, that is that is the best piece of lore. I yes. think. Yes, <laughs> Mickey's older brother Manny owns the owns the upscale restaurant, and they both like Mickey's got his whole like you know bohemian trendy cafe thing, and it's not it's not what he was supposed to go into because he comes from a family of fine restaurateurs. And and Mickey and Mr. Waller didn't talk for so long. Because he once saw uh, Waller at Manny's <gasps> and was like, I see where your loyalties lie. Oh. So anyway, they're going to go to Manny's, I guess. There's <laughs> 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 a bit of bit more lore for you guys. You didn't you didn't realize that that uh, that's what the case was with Manny's. But now, you know. Yeah, now um, you know. We were, you know, got got the hot tips. Yes. You can get what you want when you're rock stars. Rockstars. <laughs> Okay, so we have to play a free show in the cafeteria in a couple weeks. And uh, so Lily's managed to get permission from Waller, who is sadly off screen, uh, to get the band plus Robbie uh, out of school for the afternoon to get ready for the show and stuff. They just have to, I guess, play a show in the cafeteria in return. Which, so, like, why? You know? Yeah. <laughs> why would Waller want that? I that feel like that's very like rambunctious. Yeah, that does not seem like the type of thing he would like, but I don't know, maybe he's... Maybe he's trying to loosen up a bit. Maybe some. Maybe he's still dating Miss Mitchell, and he's learning to come maybe out of a shell. We haven't seen him in like ten episodes. Maybe he's on like a self discovery journey. Maybe Missy Waller. Maybe he comes back and he's full on happy people, happy planet. Oh boy! So they they take off with Robbie, and we get a really cute montage of them kind of running around the city, picking out outfits for the night, and then in the radio station. Um, they seem to have just finished playing some of Robbie's audio documentary and the RFR DJs are hyping up uh, No Man's Land who's performing at this sold out water factory show and Lily's like okay I guess it's time for me to go like you guys will be there at soundcheck and Robbie and Travis are like ready to go with their badges and Ray says he's going to be there too and oh my goodness this band of 14 year olds is really going to open for uh 
gold record selling Canadian rock band. But <laughs> we'll see what happens in the next half with the whole Trues thing and the Lillian River thing and the Ray and Grace thing. So I, th- I feel like this concert might be a fairly fateful event, but we, w- we shall soon see. <laughs> On this week's CanCon commercial break is a show that I had never heard of before, and I'm fr- frankly outraged that I had not heard about it because it seems like it was made for me. <laughs> uh, so the show is called Our Hero. Our Hero was a TV show on the CBC from 2000 to 2002. It ran for 26 episodes over two seasons and was syndicated in the United States and United Kingdom. The title character was teenager Kale Stiglick, who creates a zine about her life in suburban Toronto with her friends Ross, Mary Elizabeth, and Dalal. Each episode is named after an issue of her zine. The imperfect issue, wherein our hero finally pushes the envelope. Plot segments are interspersed with quirky animated sequence narrated by Kale, with the animation reflecting illustrations used in that issue's zine. It was produced by Heroic Film Company in association with Decode Entertainment, surprise, surprise, and distributed by DHX Media. So, yeah, again, I don't know how I didn't hear about this. Um, because you, if, if you don't know me from outside of the podcast, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. I love and make zines. So this is, this is it's it's very cool, but I'll I'll, I'll get to my reactions. Um, so cast and crew wise, so the series lead Kale is played by Kara Pifko. She started her career at age seven on the Sharon Lois and Bram Elephant Show. Aww, <laughs> so cute, little bean. She's uh, acted in a bunch of Canadian stuff. You know, Are You Afraid of D- the Dark, Avonlea, Flashpoint, Heartland, of course. Um, she's also done a bunch of voice acting stuff in the Mass Effect series and Star Wars The Clone Wars. And uh, most recently, her, her most prominent role has been she played the supporting character Peggy Novick in Better Call Saul. So oh. that's, uh, you know, that's some, that's some pretty good clout right there. Her best friend, uh, Kale's best friend is Mary Elizabeth or Mary E. Uh, she's played by the actress Jeannie Kaleha, who mostly does, uh, from what I could see, and what I sort of recognize mostly does sort of one-off appearances in shows like Working Moms, Schitt's Creek, Frankie Drake Mysteries, Murdoch Mysteries. That's right. We have two shows with mysteries in the title. They're both period, <laughs> like, they're both, like, period series. They're both the same. They're, yeah. We like horses and mysteries in Canada, I guess. Um, <laughs> now, that's something uh, we should have a series about horse, a horse mysteries. mysteries yes horse mysteries horse okay mysteries. that'll i mean we're we're wrapping up this podcast that'll be the next one next it'll be project. a serial about a horse that solves mysteries yeah look out 2021 here it comes oh man yeah when when uh when tv production like can come back in full horse you're gonna <laughs> fuck i meant to say full force but i said full, full horse, horse. <laughs> we're coming back full horse come back full horse baby Full horse, horse mysteries. Okay, so yes, so wa- watch for that coming from Jody Roach and Sammy Orlowski sometime in the future. So the character Ross is Kale's other best friend, played by Justin Peroff. Um, one of his interesting credits was an uncredited appearance as Young Monk in Mr. Monk and the Marathon Man. Oh uh, hell yeah! Yeah, which makes sense because love that's, a monk uh, credit here. In uh, that that uh, episode is from series one of Monk, which was filmed in Mississauga. 
Um, but he doesn't do a lot of acting these days because he's better known as the drummer for Broken Social Scene. <laughs> so oh, <laughs> he does that shit. now. And he's been doing that for a while. And he looks he looks like he'd be a drummer for Broken Social Scene. He just has that very kind of like drummery, hipstery, craft beer look. <laughs> um, <laughs> he looks like craft <laughs> he beer. He looks like a craft beer. Uh, Kale's other friend, Dalal, is played by Vic Sahay. One of his most prominent roles was the supporting character of Lester Patel in Chuck. He also co-starred in a series uh, called This is Wonderland, which also starred Kara Pithko. So they got to co- uh, they got to collaborate together on that. So the series was created by Suzanne Bolch and John May. Now, these two are a team of producers who've made a ton of stuff together. They're credited as co-creators on shows like Naturally Sadie and How to Be Indie. Um, they have a, a, cu- a cute couple of bios on their website, HeroicTV.ca. Um, John May was born and raised in southern Ontario, which explains his weird accent and intimate knowledge of beer. John got his start in tea. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. John got his start in TV when he turned a university project into an award-winning 13-episode YTV series. He doesn't say which one, and I wasn't sure which one it was. But anywho, there's that. Meanwhile, Suzanne Bolch was born and raised in the southern U.S., which explains her weird accent and intimate knowledge of barbecue. Uh, After earning her MFA in dramatic writing from New York University, she got her TV feet wet at MTV, Lorimar, and Scholastic Productions. Together, John and Suzanne have accumulated 600 produced credits on over 50 different TV series in Toronto, New York, and Los Angeles. So they've done a ton of TV stuff together, um, our hero being one of them. But they also did, I think they did Magic School Bus Rides again. They worked on that together. Like you mentioned, How to Be Indie, Naturally Sadie, lots of Canadian and American things. Um, the show was well-received awards-wise. It won three Writers Guild of Canada awards while it was on the air. Um, it was nominated for a bunch of Canadian comedy awards and Gemini awards. And um, I have a couple of reviews. It's unfortunately, be- I think, you know, because it's such an obscure title and also, like, the show is called Our Hero. It's very hard to find stuff for a niche Canadian series called Our Hero. Thankfully, we have IMDb where there are some reviews, uh, including a couple from around the time it was on, like this one by user Rock Your Soul. This review is from 2003. This show is really cool, if a little bizarre. The situations tackled are pretty standard for a teen show, but are handled in a quirky, unique way. This show is slightly left of the middle of other teen shows, which is a good thing. The lead characters are all very likable and are brilliantly acted. Season 2 has just started to be shown here in the UK. You can catch it on 5. Here's a review from Lil East Coast Writer from 2004. Our Hero is one of those shows that may not be the most groundbreaking thing on television, but it still remains fun, creative, and addicting to watch overall. I would know the first time I ever watched it on a tape my friend made for me was last week. Since then, I've seen about 5 episodes, and I'm still eager for more. The show documents the life of Kale, a high school student with her own zine, and the escapades she endures with her two best friends, Ross and Mary E. The episodes are interspersed with little animated sequences that express her thoughts in more detail and connect to the audience a bit more. So if you're ever unsure if there's anything good on TV and you see that our hero is on, go take a look. If anything, you probably won't hate it. (laughs) Ringing endorsement. (laughs) Well... With that glowing review. Right? Like, I just, I love it. Yeah, you probably won't hear it. It's fine. Well, I mean, I, I can't judge. Um, one of my coworkers recently was asking me if I'd recommend The Queen's Gambit. And my response was, 
I didn't regret watching it. <laughs> they were like, wow, well, with that confidence. <laughs> you know, sometimes you watch a show and you're like, this is fine, period. Yeah, it's good. I just don't need to ever watch it again. No. Uh, and my last review from IMDb is funny, sometimes charming, but a word of warning. Uh, and this episode's, uh, this review is from 2014. Our Hero is an often funny, sweet-natured teen series that has a goofy charm. The zine hook is somewhat precious and now definitely dated. Um, aside, excuse me? <laughs> Rude. How um, dare you? But, yes, first of all, how dare you? Um, but it isn't especially crucial to enjoying the show. However, Kara Pifko, though a delightful actress, is far too old for the lead role. She was in her mid-twenties when this was filmed, and is unsuccessful trying to play about ten years younger. Oh. <laughs> a few other teen actors also appear to be in their mid-to-late twenties. One semi-regular older boyfriend was over 30, <laughs> making uh. some scenes unintentionally creepy. But if you can avoid his episodes and get past the idea of 26-year-old somehow being in high school, there's a solidly written show here. <laughs> I do also have, uh, the first episode is on YouTube. And I uh, found a couple of fun comments there, including, thank you so much for uploading this. You are truly doing the Lord's work. Oh. <laughs> and oh then I really just liked this comment, this uh, comment exchange. Kale looks like a young Alanis Morissette. She even sounds like her. And then somebody replied and said, a touch of the Anne Hathaways as well. I always thought. <laughs> the like, Anne Hathaways. Oh, yes. Ah, pardon me. Of the Hathaway don't... variety. I, I'm sorry, I can't come in today. I've got a touch of the Anne Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I have this urge to go be in Les Mis. Um, so I did end up watching the first episode, and it's fun. I really like it. I would definitely, I feel like I would watch the whole series of this. Um, the, the opening title sequence is extremely fun. It's like all these different images being like kind of collaged on the screen, and then like, you see like a scanner thing going past and it kind of freezes everything in place and it does that for all the cast cards. And then like, it's got these great collage style animations. Like, I always tend to go to like Terry Gilliam as a reference for these, but it also makes me think of, and if, if this podcast wasn't niche before, this is going to be a very niche reference, but there's a very, very strange National Film Board cartoon called The Lump uh, directed by I John I knew Weldon. this was where you were going, my yes. god. Yeah, it's very weird and 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 a little off-putting the way that a lot of John Weldon's works are. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much that style. So if you know that film, it's it, that, if it's you're that an intellectual, if you're an intellectual like me, it's also like the the cutout style of it makes me think of Angela Anaconda, but like not in the like the but nuanced nuance, not not fully down that road. Uh, especially because these are just interstitial segments. So, like, the premise of the first episode is her dad's this humor columnist, and he keeps, like, using stories about her in the paper, and Kale's like, don't do that, I don't like it. She ends up finding some old love letters and decides to, like, make sort of a collage of them and slip them into the newspaper. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Very, and inappropriate love letters at that. And it turns out her dad oh. wrote them to somebody who wasn't her mom, and it's like this... <laughs> Oh, it's like a very shit. dramatic thing. Oh and my god. So she and her dad like end up patching things up, but in the process of trying to kind of like, you know, work things out with her dad, she ends up finding a way to tell kind of 
her own stories, which turns out to be a zine. And she ends up sp- staying up till like 4 a.m. making a zine, which is just like so cool because I can totally relate to that. When you have an idea, you just you just do it. And zines are not dated, that one reviewer from IMDb. Anyway, um, but it's good. It's fun. It's a little like the humor's like a little out there because of things like, yeah, like <laughs> this whole first episode is about like her dad having written like, very sexual love letters to another woman and it getting out across the city. <laughs> if you like pina coladas. On the page for our hero on heroictv.ca, which is Suzanne Bolch and John May's website, they're like, here's a clip we weren't allowed to show at Kids Screen, which I think is like a TV festival oh, or something for kids to That's not a good sign. And it's, it's a scene where Kale's parents come to talk to her about pornography. And... <laughs> I guess there's a thing where she she distributes a zine and it has a picture of a naked cowboy or something in it. And they're like, and I guess it's a misinterpretation because they hear from her vice principal and they come downstairs and they're like, no, we wanted to tell you there's nothing unhealthy about pornography. For example, your father and I, like, and oh. they go into like the fact that they, oh. they get porn and then try to act out scenes from it. I'm like, don't have this conversation with your child. Oh my God. <laughs> So I thought so, the braceface porn episode was racy. That's a lot. Yeah. So so our hero, like the humor is a little bit twisted, but it's 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 fun and it is well acted. Like I agree with that one review. It's it's the acting feels fairly natural. And honestly, I've kind of learned to put aside the whole like this person's older than like seventeen or whatever thing because that's the case for like so many teen shows of this era. Labor um, laws and shit too. Yeah, labor laws and shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a couple episodes floating around on YouTube. Again, it's really hard to find anything about this show because it has a fairly generic title and it's a very obscure Canadian show from 20 years ago. There was a complete DVD set released in 2007 that you can actually find floating around, um, on, uh, on some sites and things like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I would recommend giving this one a watch on, on the YouTube. It's, it's, I really enjoyed it. And it's it's a little weird, and it's yeah, it's just it's kind of cool. If you like if you like some of the other stuff that Suzanne and John have made, you you might like this one as well. Hey, sweets, what are you doing here? I just dropped by to give you a backstage pass. This will get you into soundcheck. Oh, um. So Lily swings by Cougar Radio because now that Kim's not living there anymore, River does. <laughs> and uh, just she swings by. Yeah. Uh, she swings by to give him a backstage pass and he reveals like, oh, like my dad pulled some strings for me. And so now I'm going to have dinner one-on-one with the head of the firm. God, (laughs) that poor head of the firm. (laughs) (laughs) Like this executive is going to sit down with a 16 year old and talk about what? Talk about fucking what? It was River Pierce. God, you know, it's just going to be like, oh, and this one time I played this sport and I was really good at it. And then I played this sport and I was really good at it. (laughs) And then I broke my ankle, but I was still really good at it. But I didn't really break my ankle, though. (laughs) Did I tell you about the time my pants fell down? (laughs) 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 But Lily's, like, heartbroken. And uh, because River says, you know what, this is really important to me. And Lily's just like... She just leaves because she feels like if River cared about her, he would know why she was so upset. Oh, that Manny makes a mean four cheese pizza. It's a lover special, you know. I know. But don't you think it was a little much to have him saying that's a worry in front of the whole place? Um, we go to Mickey's where they're talking about Manny's. 
Uh, <laughs> don't let Rivalry me know. continues. Yes. Um, where apparently Ray got like one of the servers or something to sing That's Amore three times. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, Ray, that poor server. That poor server. <laughs> They're not getting paid enough for that. And then like he's continuing to joke around. He's like, oh, you should hear coffee guy sing and points to guitar face as if he hasn't been called guitar face this whole time no he's just coffee guy you get demoted from guitar face to coffee guy that's so so rude rude. but uh grace tells you know ray enough like enough with all these stunts i feel like you're always planning the next event or the next punchline and ray's just kind of like looking at her semi-thoughtfully and she's like you're thinking of one right now and she leaves and we're like it's a really good one (laughs) having been in that dynamic before i sympathize with grace so strongly Mm -hmm. here we are at soundcheck only a few short hours before the show and no man's land sounds terrible uh we go to soundcheck where things aren't going super well because Lily's really upset about the whole river thing and it's affecting her playing and uh, Robbie's not really helping because he's like recording the whole thing and he's making it He's there to be like dramatic journalist. Oh yeah. The tension, the band. And he like straight up says they sound terrible while they're doing soundcheck. Like it's not helpful at all. And Travis to the point is like, dude, you're not helping. Yeah, it's really cute because Lily, like, storms off all upset and Travis is giving Parker one of those little, like, where you, like, pretend you're good at massaging and you go bup up up on somebody's back with your hands. <laughs> you know when you go bup up up. You know when you go bup up up. And uh, so, like, Travis is trying to hold down the fort. Ray shows up with uh, ice lattes, which, ugh. I love ice lattes. And, and for the third time in the series, t- makes the I like you a latte joke. And the yes. group is like, oh, and he's like, hey, I promise I'll never say that again, which he probably won't in the last two episodes. So it made <laughs> me kind of sad because I was like, oh, we're approaching the end. Can you, can you imagine just like they just cram it in somehow like multiple <laughs> times in the last two episodes? It's like his every other line of dialogue for the next two episodes. I got yours with whipped cream and sprinkles. Just the way you like it. Ray finds out that the band's freaking out because Lily stormed off and they don't know where she went. And Ray ends up finding Lily kind of sitting in the balcony seating, which I feel like she'd be pretty visible from. <laughs> and she could see what was going on. Like, she's just, like, yeah. watching the gang freak out. That sucks. I like to watch them squirm. Yeah. Um, but Ray's whole logic for being able to find her, she's like, he's like, well, I know when you used to get upset when we were kids, you'd run off and hide in my tree fort. That's where I was going to check next. So, like, this idea, it's like, I am upset. Seek height. <laughs> Must go to tall place. Must go but to tall place. I'm an angry cat. So he, he comes and sits with her, and she's like, I just wanted River to see that this matters to me. And he was like, well, you know what? If, if he knew you, he would know that music's everything to you. And if you don't do this because of him, then you're only hurting yourself. And has one of those, like, moments of ray being actually very wise and good and helpful yes like he has like these moments with lily specifically Mm -hmm. where he says like just the right thing and this is one of those moments and he you know through that whole gesture finally gets her to go back out there and oh it's so sweet too because lily says like so I I feel like you know me too well, and Ray's like, "There's no such thing." I'm like, what? <laughs> that that line has stuck with me like my entire life. Oh, it 
it's so good. And it really is such a contrast to see how he is with Lily versus how he is with Grace. Yeah, we get like, this is very much like the whole episode of River not knowing Lily and Ray not knowing Grace. And then like to have this very clear moment between the two of them of, hey, you know me better than anyone is uh, it's very sweet. And yeah. Maybe a sweet buildup towards the end of the show. How'd you not look at me up here? Every time when you were a kid, you'd wig out. You'd go hide out in my tree fort for a while. I figured I'd check there next. Ah, guess you know me too well. There's no such thing. But uh, so we get to we get to the big moment where they're about to get announced on stage. Parker and Megan are like. Travis, you gotta go tell him we can't do this. Ah, and Travis is like, why do I have to do it? And then Lily shows up and is like, they're not go- the trues aren't going on until we're done. And we get this fun montage of just like a bunch of their songs. Like we hear Yeah, like, yeah, it's like a great song. mashup of, of yeah. the three of them. And it's it's great. Yeah, it's really fun. The crowd is loving it. They're, they're really rocking out and having a really great time. Lily's really managed to shake off the bad vibes. Um, meanwhile... Uh, I think it's a different muscly security guy, but big security guy comes backstage and goes to like take Robbie's stuff and be like, you can't have that back here. He's like, uh, it's, it's a, it's for a documentary for the radio. And the truths are like, oh, Radio Free Roscoe, we were listening to those guys. <laughs> yeah, just, just immediately assumes that it's them and yeah. is also like, hey, we'll do an interview for you. So yeah. like very nice and accommodating, but it's a very strange interaction. I love it. Um, and so the trues get on and they start singing Not Ready to Go, which is their big hit. And it's what I always think of when I'm get, getting ready to go. And I am, in fact, not ready to go uh, to this day. I thought you were doing all this crazy stuff because you were bored of me. Like, I'm not enough. What? That's crazy talk. You are more than enough. I could never get bored of you. In the in the audience, uh, Grace arrives at the venue and talks with Ray, and you know, Ray sort of explains his behavior by saying, "I'm just worried you're gonna get bored of me if I don't do all these zany things." And Grace is like, "I was worried you were gonna get bored of me." And they end up making up and having a really sweet little hug. Lily, I might not always know what's on your mind, but I know it's always on mine. Smart, amazing, beautiful girl. She's gonna be a rock star someday, really soon. Meanwhile, Lily is um, just leaving the backstage area when River's there. And it turns out he kind of faked sick to get out of the dinner. He's got a, a bouquet of beautiful lilies that he gives to her. And he says, you know what? I'm sorry. I just kind of freaked out and sort of pushed you away because I've never felt this way before. And it's really, it's actually quite sweet. Like, it's funny. We get a couple of very genuine moments from River in the series and they're they're few and far between but it's nice to kind of break the veneer of River Pierce. So we close up the episode with Grace and Ray watching the show and uh, Lily and River watching the show together and we see Ray and Lily kind of do that thing where one of them's looking at the other one while they're Mm -hmm. not looking and the trues are performing one of their slower songs so we get like this whole like bit between the two of them as they're singing, Hey, by the way, do you love me? Do you and love it's, me? But... Oh, it's, it's so good. Um, but just at the end, we see Grace catch Lily as she's looking at Ray, and Lily tries to kind of like play it off and just kind of smiles at Grace and looks back at the show. But Grace is, uh, yeah, this is uncomfortable, and, and Grace knows something's up here. Oh, no. 
So unsurprisingly, over in Mickey's discs for this episode, it's just a bunch of true songs. They're actually not documented on radiofurioscope4.tripod.com, but we get the ever-iconic Not Ready to Go, as well as a few other songs. I will say, when I was, you know, the age of watching this show, it was also the height of my making mixed CDs um, experience, so I definitely had one that had a couple of Trues tracks on it. me too. Because of this show. Just great, great iconic songs. are a Canadian hard rock band from Antagonish, Nova Scotia, consisting of vocalist Colin McDonald, guitarist John Angus McDonald, who get their, you know, their their guest credits because I think they were the two boys at the very beginning who were like, yeah, that's great. I signed your CD. <laughs> Bassist Jack Siparek uh, and drummer Chris Gormley. The band is currently based in Hamilton, Ontario. The band started their career with the name One-Eyed Trouser, uh, a line taken from a song in Monty Python's The Meeting of Life. They changed their name to Trouser, and eventually, The Trues. They released an EP as One-Eyed Trouser, and a second EP before under they, the name The Sorry, Trues. no. Before they were The Trues, they were called Trouser? Yeah. <laughs> a, a single Trouser. A single Trouser. Outstanding. Isn't that great? I love That's it. That's one of my favorite bits of trivia to come out of this show. Oh, it's wonderful. The release of their first full-length CD, House of Ill Fame, followed in 2003. Produced by Big Sugar's Gordy Johnson, the album contained the singles Every In Ambition, Not Ready to Go, Tired of Waiting, Fleeting Trust, and Confessions. Not Ready to Go hit number one on Canadian rock radio and was the most played song of 2004 in that format. The band was nominated as New Group of the Year at the 2004 Juno Awards, and Not Ready to Go was nominated as Single of the Year in 2005. House of Ill Fame has been certified gold in Canada. Um, the Trues are still very much active. I think they've even done some like um, kind of like live uh, live stream stuff uh, while live music is kind of on hiatus. Their most recent album was called Civilianaires, and it was released in September of 2018. It was nominated for Juno. Uh, they've actually been nominated for Juno six times with no wins, which is surprising because I feel like when I think of Canadian rock bands, the Trues are kind of like one of the contemporary ones I, I always think of. I ended up uh, popping onto, I found a YouTube upload of Not Ready to Go, and it was really cute because all the comments are things like, oh, I saw them in Chatham in like what a, such and such year. I saw them Burnaby and Fredericton and Windsor and just just people basically listing Canadian, city, Canadian cities that they've seen the trues in. But my, my favorite comment I saw was just in all caps, uh, I'm not riding a goat. <laughs> I'm not riding, riding a goat. A goat. <laughs> That's really like good. All I'm going to be able to hear now. It's very good. Um, oh, no. Yeah, that, I know that that's going to turn into like one of those things that you and I say to each other for the rest of our lives. Yes! Not riding a goat. Um, but yeah, the trues are, are pretty iconic. They're one of, I feel like they're one of the few bands that we've covered that is still very much active. Um, so yeah, go check them out. And, and think of the next time you're getting ready to go somewhere and you're just not ready to go. Or the next time that you're just not riding a goat. You know, I know yeah. that that's not very often, but if there's ever a point in your life where you are not riding a goat, you know, opportunities yeah. there. 
I mean, it's an, kind of an everyday thing for most people. Be like, how are you today? Well, I'm not riding a goat. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I've, I've gotten a little bored with, you know, I, I'm in so many meetings every day and it always starts with, oh, how are you? And it's like, you're never going to say anything other than like, oh, I'm not bad or oh, I'm good. I'm fine. So I, I feel like it would be a good way to spice things up. Oh, how are you today? Well, I'm not riding a goat, so. People wouldn't know if that's take, a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. You know, take that for whatever you want it to mean. Yeah. What, what, are, what are Jody's feelings on goats? You may never know. <laughs> we may never know. <laughs> we need a whole other podcast to explore that. <laughs> if you're not already, you can follow us on social media. You can find us at Podcast Free Roscoe on Facebook and Instagram or Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. You can also send us an email at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking of the show. What do you think of our fire? What do you think of Canadian things? The trues? I don't know. If you saw the trues in Fredericton, let, let us know. Um, but yeah, we love to hear from you guys. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe, signing off. <laughs>